What's up, beautiful people? Welcome back to the Made to Excel Fitness Podcast, the fitness podcast for you, by you. I'm your host, as always, Mark Torres. And in today's episode, episode number 32, I'm going to tell you the four secrets that a personal trainer does not want you to know. Plus, the Made to Excel Fitness University of Hard Knocks and Common Sense is back. I'm going to be doing an article review. And as always, the weekly follow-up. Let's talk about it all. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Made to Excel Fitness Podcast. It is Monday, October 12th, and I am officially announcing this is the beginning of Thick Boy Fall. Around this time of year, the spooky season, it is the best time to watch scary movies, do a corn maze, uh, carve a pumpkin or something, any fall activity that you can think of. But along with that comes apple cider, cinnamon sugar donuts, pumpkin beers, of course. So people tend to, and when I say people, I mean me, tend to gain weight around this time of year. And with COVID having been going on for the last four, five, six months, I'm willing to bet that 95 to 98% of people have gained weight in that time. And when I say 95 to 98% of people, I'm also talking about me. So now that COVID is budding right up, if not laying directly on top of spooky season, it is the perfect time to start Thick Boy Fall. And I'm talking about thick with like three C's. Um, And we can retroactively start this to start on October 1st. Um, I've always been kind of a classic in-betweener. Sometimes I wear mediums, sometimes I wear larges, depending on how the uh, clothing runs. But in Thick Boy Fall, it is time to unleash the larges. And if you do rock a medium, it's definitely going to be a schmedium. Um, This is actually the second time I've recorded this podcast. I did one yesterday. I didn't necessarily like the way it came out, so I'm trying to do it again. And yesterday, when I made this podcast, the shirt and the mask were not done yet. So I was wearing the 2019 Camp MT Lakes t-shirt release, uh, the Shreddy Kruger t-shirt. And that boy was toit. And that's what made me start um, Thick Boy Fall. So, you know, in this time, you might gain a few pounds. It is what it is. Embrace the thickness. Um, Enjoy the time. Um, You know, I love summer weather the most. But the ambiance of fall and even Christmas is my favorite. So if I had to exchange a few pounds in order to enjoy pumpkin beers and cider and donuts, I will absolutely happily make that trade-off. Secondly, the Chargers are dead. Um, Two weeks ago, I think I said that at the end of the week one of the NFL, the Chargers were 1-0. And by the time that you listen to that episode, they would probably be one and two because I'm recording these in advance, obviously. And my premonition came true because the Chargers are one and two. We lost to the Chiefs. We lost to the Panthers. Two games that we could have won. We should have won. We could be easily be three and zero oh right now, but we're unfortunately zero oh and three. Uh, most of you guys, if not all of you guys, have heard about what happened to Terod Taylor. He's got his lung punctured by the team doctor, which is insane. But Justin Herbert's playing really good, uh, really great right now, actually. Uh, so positive things, despite being one and two. Uh, but since I am Nostradamus and my premonition came true last time, I'm going to say by the time you listen to this episode, which will be week five of the NFL, I suppose, the Chargers will be three and two. Hopefully, <laughs> let's see what happens. And last but not least. Spooky season update. I can't believe I didn't tell you guys this in last week's episode, but I was so uh, caught up in the fact that I had watched Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Goes to Manhattan, that I forgot to tell you guys that I watched Hocus Pocus for the first time. Um, As sacrilegious as it sounds, being a spooky season connoisseur for me to not have ever watched Hocus Pocus, I'm a typical like slasher, psychological thriller, horror movie guy. Like That's kind of what I gravitate towards. But 
My girlfriend forced me to watch Hocus Pocus, and it was actually a lot of fun. Like I said, not something that I would just go and watch on my own, um, but I can definitely see why people revisit this year in and year out, and why it is a Halloween classic. Uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. In terms of pumpkin beers, uh, a couple weekends ago, I had Spooky Tooth's Imperial Pumpkin Ale by Fatheads Brewery, and it is one of, if not the best pumpkin beer that I've ever had in my life. Um, it is 9% alcohol. So it'll sneak up on you. But typically when a beer is that high in alcohol percentage, they tend to taste a little bit strange. Um, but Fatheads Brewery did a great job. It still had a sweet flavor. Not super pumpkin-y, more a little bit brown sugar. That could just be my taste buds. Um, but just a really tasty beer. Uh, it's a four-pack because it's 9%. So if you see Spooky Tooth's Imperial Pumpkin Ale out in the wild, I definitely recommend it if you're a pumpkin beer enthusiast as myself. Um, other than that, I don't know, went to a corn maze, corn maze was fun, um, have been to Spirit Halloween at least three times for some context, I'm recording this on October 1st, happy opening day of Camp MTE Lake, uh, and that's about it, speaking of Camp MTE Lake, Camp MTE Lake, as you're listening to this, should officially be open, has been opened, you can get all your Camp MTE Lake merch there, the shirt, the mask that I was wearing at the top of the episode, the uh, history of horror mask shirts are all on there at mtfit.com um, for your Halloween merchandise, uh, dreams and purchases you can all find there. Um, but without further ado, let's get into today's episode. When I think about topics that I want to talk about on this show, I typically try to think about things that are either going to entertain you or bring you value. More times than not, I want to bring you value when you listen to the show. I want you to leave this show after having listened to it with something that you can take away and use in your own fitness journey. Um, but today, I wanted to flip the script a little bit, and I wanted to take you into my world, what my world looks like as a personal trainer. So I'm going to tell you the four secrets that a personal trainer does not want you to know. And secret number one that a personal trainer does not want you to know is that everything works. Typically, most people that go to a gym, I would just guess, are probably winging it. They might see a machine that a lot of people use. They might see a machine that looks interesting to them. They might do a couple sets, a couple reps, move on to a different machine, rinse and repeat as many times as they feel is necessary, hop on a treadmill, go home, come back and do that the next day. I would think that most people are in that kind of boat. And I say this a lot on this podcast, something is always better than nothing. So, um... If you are not doing a program right now and you do any sort of program, no matter how shitty the program may be, it's a step in the right direction. Some structure is better than no structure. You're going to take positive steps. An example of this might look like I just recently had somebody come into the gym and after talking to them for a few minutes, I could tell that she was a person who uh, was not a complete beginner in the gym. She kind of knew what was going on. She knew what the machines were. She knew the different muscle groups that the machines worked, um, but she was by far and away not like an avid gym goer. She wasn't a fitness enthusiast by any stretch of the imagination. And she actually pulled out her phone and she said, this is the program that I was doing prior to this. This was given to me by my ex-boyfriend, who is a personal trainer. And I looked at it, and it was like 100 squats, 100 deadlifts, 100 burpees, 100 of whatever the fuck else other exercises were on there. It was literally just exercise, 100 reps, exercise, 100 reps. And it was very clear to me that her ex-boyfriend, the personal trainer, is a person that I call a jabroni personal trainer. Um... He literally just took random exercises and made her do 100 reps of each. There was no rhyme or reason to his programming. There was no cohesiveness. None of that. Just words on a paper. Um, 
And had she followed that program, she absolutely would have made steps in the right direction because she wasn't doing any sort of structured program prior to that. So she absolutely would have made progress. But the one glaring weakness in that program, and probably most of you guys out there uh, spotted it pretty quickly as well, is that it's unnecessarily difficult, unnecessarily advanced of a workout plan for somebody who's not a fitness enthusiast. And she kind of confirmed my suspicions when she said, I did it a couple times, but I was just too sore after doing it to continue to do it. It's way too hard of a program for her. Her ex-boyfriend, the personal trainer who's getting paid to help people reach their fitness goals, did not take into account his then-girlfriend's fitness levels uh, and experience levels when making her a program. So she definitely would have taken steps in the right direction, but it probably wouldn't have lasted very long because it's not a program that she could have done in the long term. So the varying degrees of success that you have with a program depend on how well the program or how good the program is structured. I've used this example before. I don't think ever on the podcast, but in an Instagram caption, I think I've said, if for some reason you woke up tomorrow and you wanted to, instead of going to work, go to Disney World, first and foremost, you'd probably be fired. (laughs) Secondly, uh, I'd be very jealous of you. And third, you would probably pack a bag, grab your phone and grab a phone charger. And the phone is going to be the most important thing that you bring on that trip, because unless you go to Florida a lot, odds are you don't necessarily know how to get there by memory. So you need your phone for directions. And for example, from here, from where I live, it's probably going to take 20 to 21 hours to get to Florida, depending on traffic, depending on how many times you stop, depending on how fast of a driver you are. So for the sake of the example, let's say it takes 20 hours to get to Florida. If you have your phone, you have your maps going the entire time. That's the most optimal outcome that you could possibly have. Now, for some reason, I challenge you to get to Florida without ever having your phone in your car. How quickly could you get there? And depending on how resourceful you are, will dictate how quickly you get there. Uh, And you might say, all he said was not to have my phone in the car. So I'm just going to look up the directions beforehand, write them out on a piece of paper, and I'm going to go on my way. And odds are, in doing that, you'd probably still get there in a relatively decent amount of time, if not very similar to what it would be like if you had your phone in the car. But the one big caveat to this is obviously you have to be a little bit more attentive as to the exits that you're taking. Uh, You don't have Siri there telling you in two miles, take exit, blah, blah, blah. You have to be very attentive. You have to be aware of where you are at any given point. You can't just like kind of doze off and not doze off. Please don't doze off while you're driving, but you can't zone out um, and just drive straight. You have to be a little bit more aware. Um, And secondly, if for some reason the route that you already had pre-planned out, that route will not change. Uh, And if for some reason there's a big accident on this route that you wrote down and you're going to be in traffic for several hours, um, that's obviously going to put you behind schedule. Where in turn, if you had the phone in your car, the phone is going to give you real-time directions. It's going to know that there's an accident there and it might give you a detour to go around that accident if it means that it's going to save you time. So you might still get there in a relatively short period of time compared to um, having the phone in the car. It might be very similar, but it might add a few hours in case you miss an exit or in case you know something happens along the road. If you do miss an exit and you don't know how to get back, then you're really screwed. But if for some reason I decided to try to challenge you and say, don't use a phone at all, now you might either go to a gas station and grab a paper map, or you might ask for people uh, uh, people on the street if they know how to get there, ask for directions. Um, or you might say, I know Florida's southbound, so let me go southbound as long as possible, see if I can see some signs, and see if I can make my way there doing that. And you're completely winging it. So 
Will you eventually get there? It's quite possible, but it might take several more hours. It might take several more days. It might take several more weeks to get there. So it's the same thing in fitness. Uh, if you have a personal trainer there who's going to make the best program that is tailored possible to you, that is there to make changes in your program when you need it, if you get injured, uh, if you have uh, a different training style that you want to try, all these things, the personal trainer is there to change that for you on the spot. That is like having your phone in the car on the way to Florida. You will get to the end result as quickly as possible with the best possible results. If you were to write your directions down beforehand, it's like finding a program online. Odds are you can probably find a decent program online. If you were to throw a dart, odds are you would hit a good handful of decent programs. They might not be the most optimal programs for you. They might not be the best programs for you. You might uh, have to try a few of them before you find one that actually works for you, but you would probably stumble upon a good one that's going to eventually give you some good results. But at the end of the day, if something were to change down the line, you might not know how to change that yourself and you're going to be kind of back to square one. So it will give you still results, but maybe not the most optimal results. And obviously, if you're in the gym winging it all the time, it's going to take you longer and longer to get there, but you might get there eventually. So depending on your goals, depending on your fitness level, that will dictate whether or not you want to go the routes of having a personal trainer. Having a personal trainer will give you the best, most optimal results. But at the end of the day, everything works. If you're doing absolutely nothing right now, any sort of structured program is going to take you in steps in the right direction. And that's kind of the weird confirmation fallacy that we have in fitness where jabroni trainers who don't know how to actually make a workout program can still get validation because they'll still have clients who are going to do the program no matter what. And they're going to have success. They're going to have results. And now that jabroni personal trainer is going to get compensated. They might get a client testimonial and they'll continue to be successful even though there's obviously a big part of their training um, skills that is lacking in terms of like making a program. So secret number one is that everything works. Secret number two that a personal trainer does not want you to know is that we don't always have the answers. I can't tell you how many times people have come into the gym and have asked me specific questions to which I say, there's no way to know that for sure. And what I mean by that is there's really no way to know that for sure yet. Um, it's not like if you go to the grocery store and you say, Hey, sir, can you tell me what aisle the pumpkin spice Twinkies are in? They could give you an answer. Um, there's very few questions that you can ask a personal trainer that will give you a definitive answer on the spot. Um, like how do you use this machine? That's something that we can answer very quickly. What is another hamstring exercise? Because the hamstring machine is taken up that I can do. That's something that we could answer pretty quickly. But when it comes to like, what's the best program for me? How much cardio should I be doing? There's other questions that I'm going to do in a Q&A a few episodes from now that I'm going to save for that episode. Um, questions that people ask that there's no way to know for sure unless we have more information. So if there is a personal trainer who you ask questions to and they always have an answer, that's actually a big red flag. I would venture to say that most personal trainers that are really good personal trainers are not going to have answers for you right away. We need more and more and more information. We need to have a sit down with you. We need to have uh, your injury history, your habits, the things that you like to do. We need to have all these things, your goals, how much time you want to spend in the gym. All these things kind of go into account the program that we end up making for you. So we don't always have the answers. And there's going to be absolutely times where you ask a question that we should have an answer to and we just don't know it. Um, depending on how inquisitive you are, depending on how uh, advanced of knowledge you have, um, 
you might ask a question that we don't know. So uh, a good personal trainer is either going to take the time to find out or they're going to find out along the way. Um, you know, personal training and having a client is a very personal and customizable thing. So um, it's impossible for us to know as personal trainers what's going to be best for you within two minutes of knowing you. So uh, at the end of the day, when a personal trainer doesn't have all the answers, most of the time, that's probably a good thing. And that's not to say that a personal trainer can be airheaded and they're completely lost. Um, but a personal trainer will want more and more information to help them make a more educated decision as to what's going to be best for you. Which leads me into secret number three that a personal trainer does not want you to know is that we're almost all the time winging it. Um, I talked about not winging it in secret number one. But personal trainers are winging it all the time. And I'm going to give you a little a little bit of an insight into how I operate as a trainer. So when somebody comes in and they want a program, um, I can technically sit down and make you a program and I can guess to see what is going to be best for you. But what I rather do is I'd rather take people out on the floor and I'll put them through a series of different exercises and see which ones they like and which ones they don't like. Because at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is to sit down and make a program and just guess the things that you might like and don't like. And, you know, you get it back and you say, oh, there's deadlifts on here, but I have a really bad low back injury. So I'm going to try to not do something like that. Now I've got to go back from scratch. Sometimes it's just a matter of taking out that exercise and putting something else in, but it might throw everything else out of the whack. Um, and I might have to redo it all over again. So instead of doing that, instead of completely winging it, I can kind of wing it and I can find a way to find the things that is going to work for you by just winging it out on the floor for that first session and say, this works, this doesn't work, this works, this doesn't work. And then after that, my workout program can start to take shape. The things that I'm going to have you do can start to take shape that make more sense. So me winging it leads me to not winging it as much, um, if that makes sense. So I'm gathering information while I'm winging it uh, so I can give you the best program that's going to be possible for you. Um, and the other thing is things go wrong when you're training all the time. Let's say, um, you're doing a row and you feel a little tweak in your back, not, not, not anything serious. You didn't hurt yourself, but, uh, it's something that is enough to say, all right, I want to kind of chill out on that for a second. Uh, I don't want to make it any worse. Now, in that moment, as a personal trainer, you must have a catalog of different exercises that work specific muscle groups that you can interchange that might sort of avoid the uh, injury or the tweak that you just had. Um, and it might be that you switch out a workout that's going to still work the same thing, but not cause that to hurt anymore. Or you might just skip it altogether. But at any given point, a lot of times we're just winging it. Um, when I have clients do finishers, a lot of the times I'm winging it. Um, we're always constantly winging it. It's one of those things where you fake it till you make it. Just like this podcast, I faked it till I made it to 32 episodes. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and now here I am several episodes later. Um, so secret number three, we're always winging it. Uh, and last but not least, secret number four that a personal trainer does not want you to know is that we're not always the best examples. So I'm a human. I'm a personal trainer, but I'm a human. Um, I'm not always perfect in my ways. I'm not always perfect in my training. I'm not I'm definitely not always perfect in my nutrition, in my consuming. Um, so this is something that occurs to me every time that I work out in the gym that I work at. Not that it's narcissistic in any way that I think people are watching me, but I am aware that people know that I am the trainer for this particular gym. And they might look over to me and see what I'm doing to try to, you know, see what it looks like when I'm working out. 
and I swear this is not narcissistic in any way, shape, or form, but like the other day, I was doing pull-ups, and I was so cheating doing these pull-ups, it was at the end of my back workout, I was pretty tired, I was dead, um, and I was totally cheating doing these pull-ups, and luckily I was in the corner of the gym, nobody really saw me, but I knew in the back of my mind, if somebody were to see me do these pull-ups, they might say, oh, that's how you do pull-ups, and it was so far away from what it needed to be, so... This is a do as I say, not as I do sort of situation. I'm going to do things and I'm going to say things that don't necessarily apply to you. Do not do pull-ups the way I was doing pull-ups at the end of my workout the last time I worked out in the gym. Do not eat the way I eat unless you want to. Um, you know, I, I'm a walking, talking embodiment of like episode 29 was all about alcohol and fitness. Obviously, I talked about pumpkin beers at the top of this episode, um, you know, I talked about in the last episode, episode 31, the six things I wish I knew when I started fitness was to eat the ice cream. That was one of them. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I said, did that backwards. Um, but I'm a person who I like to enjoy my life. So, you know, if you're a person who has loftier goals than I do, by all means, don't do the same things that I do. Uh, and this is just talking from experience, but I can assume that there's other personal trainers out there um, who are not... Uh, you know, the quintessential perfect image of fitness that you might have in your mind. There's going to be people that walk into the gym that are fitter than us, that are more muscular than us. That doesn't necessarily mean that they know more than us. Um, so we're not always the best examples, but we always have the best interests of you at heart. And that's really, at the end of the day, what matters. So hopefully that was a nice look into my world as a personal trainer the four secrets that a personal trainer does not want you to know. If you have any questions about this, because this might uh, be a question-inducing podcast, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at MTFit if you have any more questions about this particular podcast episode. Uh, but that wraps that up. I'm going to hop into the Made to Excel Fitness University of Hard Knocks of Common Sense. Mark Torres, Made to Excel Fitness University of Hard Knocks of Common Sense. So when having done this podcast episode twice now, actually, I know that the last time I did this, I rushed through it. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to cut this into two pieces. So the article that I'm going to review in today's Made to Excel Fitness University of Hard Knocks of Common Sense is 13 things every fitness beginner needs to know for muscle and fitness. So this will kind of uh, act as the Made to Excel Fitness University of Hard Knocks of Common Sense and the weekly follow-up because last week's episode was the six things I wish I knew when I started my fitness journey. So they kind of just line up um, perfectly. And there's 13 things, and when I did this last time, I really rushed through them, but I want to take my time. So I'm going to cut it in half, I'll do six or seven today, and I'll do the last remaining ones in the next episode. Uh, this is Muscle and Fitness, uh, 13 things every fitness beginner needs to know. Uh, so I'm going to read these out, and I'm going to try to review them a little bit. Uh, let's see. Number one, I don't know how to use the equipment or do any workouts. How do I get started? As a complete beginner, the gym can certainly be an intimidating place. This is why I suggest hiring a personal trainer for a good 8-10 to 10 sessions. He or she can teach you what muscle groups each piece of equipment works, as well as proper exercise technique, breathing patterns, and rep cadence. A good trainer will also help you develop a workout program that is suited to your present level of fitness, particular goals, and that addresses any injuries or limitations that you may have. So off the bat, number one, great advice. If you are really lost in the gym, Hiring a personal trainer that's going to help you and put you on the right track, at least to begin with. You don't have to be with a personal trainer forever. If you can be with a personal trainer forever, they're going to get you the best results, undoubtedly. But um, at least having a good base of knowledge, having a good base of fitness that they can create for you is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, and obviously, as a personal trainer, of course, I'm saying that. So 
1 of 13, we're good. Uh, number two, what type of training should I do to lose weight? When it comes to losing weight, you need a combination of weight resistance training and cardiovascular exercise. Many people make the error of performing too much cardio and neglecting weightlifting, thinking that only treadmills, stationary bikes, and stair steppers are responsible for burning fat. But this is far from true. While cardio will certainly help you burn extra calories, it's weight training that is going to stimulate the metabolism so that you become a fat-burning machine, change the composition of your body, and bring about the shape and contours that you want. I suggest at least three to four days per week lifting weights and four to five performing cardio, preferably first thing in the morning or right after resistance training. Now, this is all incorrect. This is entirely incorrect. Um, there's no type of training that you should do that's going to help you lose weight. The gym is to help you build muscle, it's to help you get stronger, it's to help you maybe get a little bit um, of a stronger base of fitness, it's to help you um, in your health aspect of fitness. Physique-wise, in terms of weight loss, it has nothing to do with the gym. It has everything to do with the calories that you consume. If you're consuming less calories than what your body needs, you're going to lose weight. If that's a goal for you, that's all that matters. The gym doesn't necessarily matter in that particular situation. The gym is going to be important for building muscle and for being healthy, but when it comes to weight loss, there's no training that you're going to do that's going to help you lose weight. The only thing that can help you lose weight is being in a caloric deficit. So lifting weights is not going to help you lose weight. Doing cardio is not going to help you lose weight. It's going to make you healthier, but it's definitely not going to be the thing that drives weight loss. So that's throw that one completely out the window. That one's trash. Number three, what type of training should I do to build strength and muscle? For building strength and muscle, you'll need a well-designed weight training program that primarily utilizes free weights and compound multi-joint exercises. A four-day-per-week program works quite well for most. This allows you to hit each muscle group hard once per week while providing you three days of rest and recovery, which is when actual growth takes place. I suggest starting with about four exercises for three sets of each for, mus for major muscle groups like your back, quads, hamstrings, chest, and shoulders. For smaller muscle groups like the biceps, triceps, traps, and abs, forearms, and calves, you'll do well with just three movements for two or three sets each. Perform one to three warm-up sets before each exercise, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, training to build strength and build muscle, uh, he talks about primarily utilizing free weights and compound multi-joint exercises. Compound multi-joint exercises, I agree with. Free weights, I half agree with. If you're a person who is not well-versed in free weights at all, Starting off with machines is perfectly fine. Eventually graduating to free weights is perfectly fine. In theory, having a good blend of both is probably optimal. So it doesn't have to be really heavy on the free weight side of it. Having free weights and having machines is probably the best way to go about doing it. Uh, he talks about four days per week, which I'm kind of in uh, agreement with. But at the end of the day, if you can only work out two days a week, then that's going to be what works best for you. Don't try to stretch and do four days a week if it's not in your schedule. Uh, just because this person says it's four days per week does not mean it has to be four days per week for you. That's probably the most optimal, but do what's going to be optimal for you, not what's going to be optimal for everybody else. Um, and then he just goes on into sets and reps. Um, number four, we're at 27 minutes, so I'm going to wrap up here pretty soon. Number four is how often do I need to work out? How often you need to work out depends on your fitness level, your goals, and your time limitations. The loftier the goal, the more time you will have to spend going after it. That said, if you have a very demanding job, a family, or other important personal responsibilities, you may not be able to spend hours per week working out. Then you'll need to be patient when it comes to reaching your goal. To make decent progress, you need to hit the gym at least three days per week for an hour at a time. However, as time passes, you'll begin to require more time in order to see continued progress. 
I suggest starting out with three gym sessions per week and adding to your program every month or so. Um, so when he talks about having loftier fitness goals, yes, you're going to have to spend more time in the gym if you have a loftier fitness goal. But for most people, we're not out here to look like the rock. Um, that might be a goal for you, but that's like a, you know, um, that's not realistic for a lot of people. Um, so he talks about you should be in the gym for at least three days a week for an hour each. Once again, not true. Do what's going to be easiest for you to do in the long run. If you are trying to really force three days a week for an hour and it's not working for you, then it's you're not going to make any progress at all. So if you can only work out two days a week for half an hour sessions, do that. That's going to be what's best for you. Um, it's not going to be the most optimal, of course, uh, but don't try to force three days a week for an hour each if you can't do it. Five of 13, how much time should I spend in the gym? Last, Like the last question, that depends on how fit you currently are, what goals you have set for yourself, and how much time you have to devote to working out. For some people, it may be best to schedule three hour-long workouts per week. Once again, doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, while others may find it more convenient and beneficial to train five to six days per week, but only for 30 minutes. In other words, it's best to think about how many total hours per week you'll spend in the gym, then decide how best to spread it out. Another point to consider is quality of time and not just quantity. Someone who is very dedicated and focused on their training can often get far more accomplished in just 30 minutes than someone who's been there for an hour and constantly distracted by their phone, chatting and watching rather than doing. So once again, they pretty much had three bullet points that all said the same thing. They, they're really trying to push three hours in the gym. I don't know where they got that number from. Do what's best for you. Do not try to force three hours in the gym if you don't have three hours in the gym. If you can eventually work up to that, absolutely, by all means, try to work up to that eventually, especially as you have loftier and loftier fitness goals, like he says, but don't try to force that just yet. This is fitness beginners. Um, as a beginner, you should do what you possibly can and not try to overextend yourself. Last one, uh, six of 13. How much rest do I need? Certain exercises are far more demanding on the body than others and require more rest between sets. For example, a set of 15 reps of barbell back squats will not only tax your thighs, glutes, and lower back, but will also have you breathing like a freight train. So corny. You may find that you need a good three to four minutes before you're ready to get to the next set. On the other hand, performing 15 dumbbell side laterals may only require 45 to 60 seconds of recovery time. Another point to consider is what your primary goal is and how weight training will work best to reach it. Someone who's in the gym to build massive size and power will want to rest for longer periods between sets so as to be able to, uh, my thing just completely just refreshed, but I kind of got the gist of it. So what he's saying is for harder workouts, have a longer rest time for easier workouts, not as taxing workouts, have a shorter rest time. And I'm kind of in agreement with that. Uh, he says four to five minutes. I don't know what exercise you're going to be doing that needs four to five minutes of rest. If you are short on time, um, decreasing rest intervals in between is really going to be the easiest way for you to get as much work as you possibly can. Um, four to five minutes seems like a lot. Um, when I was powerlifting, quote unquote powerlifting, I wasn't really powerlifting, but I would take, you know, two, three minutes, uh, of rest in between when I was doing some really heavy weights, four to five minutes seems excessive. If you were to do, um, three sets of something very taxing and took five minutes of rest in between, that's 15 minutes of rest, just not doing anything. Um, and if you are going to be in and out of the gym in half an hour, that's obviously half of your time right there just resting in between sets. So that might seem excessive, but go at your own pace. If you are doing something that is really taxing and you're not quite ready to get into the next set yet, 
Don't try to force the set. Um, do what feels best for your body. Do a set. Wait until you feel like you're pretty good recovered. You might not be fully recovered. That's kind of the point of working out. Um, but don't hop right into it if you're not ready to hop right into it at that moment. Don't get so caught up in like, I've got to rest for five minutes. Let me start a timer. That makes no sense. But I will wrap that up in next week's episode, part two of the Made to Excel Fitness University of Hard Knocks of Common Sense. Uh, the only thing I have to say about last week's weekly follow-up is, um, I don't, th- I don't think there's anything that I need to say. I think I got the good majority of my points off. The only thing is like, uh, <laughs> this just has nothing to do with the content. It was a pretty choppy edit. I apologize for that. Um, it was one of those episodes where I screwed up a lot. And when you see a lot of jumps or a lot of cuts in the episode, those are times where either I start to stutter or I cough because I cough a lot or whatever. Um, Lots of edits means I screwed up a lot. So that was a sloppy episode in terms of that. But hopefully you guys still got the gist of the information. You got some good information out of it uh, and it worked out for you. Um, But that wraps up today's show. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening or watching. Leave a comment, subscribe to the show, share it with a friend who you think might enjoy it. If you're on YouTube, hit one of the two related videos up here. I think you might enjoy them if you haven't seen them quite yet. Hit the subscribe button down here on YouTube. Um, if you have any questions for the Q&A, hit me up on Instagram. If you have any questions at all, hit me up on Instagram at mtfit or send me an email at madetoexcelfitness at gmail.com. Uh, mtfit.com. Your, get your Camp MT Lake merch, your masks, all that fun stuff. I appreciate and love every single one of you. Stay spooky, my friends. Peace. What's up, Mark? How you doing, man? Hunter Henry, LA Charger tight end. Uh, best big time shout out to your uh, fitness pro- podcast, the Made to Excel Fitness Podcast. So um, super cool, man. Got a lot going on. Bolt ganger, don't bang. <laughs>